Hi all, you're listening to At The Beam, a medical education podcast where we discuss high-yield oncology with a focus in radiation oncology. We are Trudy and Josh, and thank you for listening. All right, welcome to another episode of At The Beam. This is Josh Snow, of course, accompanied by Trudy Wu. So today we're going to be discussing a case on management of uh, soft tissue sarcomas of the extremities. So, um, uh, Trudy, it uh, looks like ERAS season is upon us. Applications are going in. Uh, you know, what was your uh, experience like applying a residency? Yeah, this feels like ages ago. Um, it, it, you know, it's, it can be a very stressful time. And I think probably my greatest advice for everyone that's applying right now is don't uh, wait until the last minute to put your rink list in. I've heard stories about how the program has crashed in the past, like on the last day. So just make sure. Oh my God. Yeah, I know. Like that's such a nightmare. Um, <laughs> to put in your rank list, feel confident about it, and then try to resist any last minute changes. Yeah, that's really good advice. Yeah. Um, yeah. To our med students listening out there, you know, we just want to offer our best wishes. Just open out a line of communication for us if you need any help. So please feel free to reach out to Trudy Wu specifically. Her number is 718-555-1234. She accepts calls and texts at all times, all night or day. day. That's right. No, but in all seriousness, um, uh, please feel free to reach out and we can try to share our own uh, experiential advice. And you can reach out to us at um, at the beam doc, um, I'm sorry, at the beam at gmail.com. So, Trudy, wow. I understand you have a, a case for me today. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So, to keep up with the sarcoma theme, we're going to have a, we have a case on extremity sarcoma. So, a 73-year-old woman, she presents to her clinic, and she notices a new painless left thigh mass. What would you like to do? Yeah, so I'd, I'd want to start off with a comprehensive history and physical, paying close attention to the onset and pace of growth for the mass. Also look for any significant history, including uh, trauma to this area, recent procedures, and so on, and course i want to just keep alert of any potential acute issues looking for items such as overlying skin changes any purulence fevers things like that just keeping in mind a potential benign etiology such as a hematoma or infection that may have occurred and sort of uh, providing a confounding here um, on physical exam i want to make sure to measure the size and note the appearance of the mass as well as to look for any um signs of compression, things like compartment syndrome that I want to be um, aware of. And this could manifest as distal edema or paresthesias. And also want to make sure to assess for any palpable lymphadenopathy within the regional lymph nodes. Um, in regards to her history, I also want to know any relevant past medical history that could result in impaired wound healing, things like uncontrolled diabetes. Okay, great. So her history and fiscal is unremarkable other than a, uh, other than you palpating a firm, deep-seated, non-tender, approximately 8-centimeter mass in the proximal left thigh. She is unsure how long it's been there, and she denies any recent trauma or procedures. There are no overlying skin changes or acute concerns, and there are no palpable lymph nodes on exam. What do you do next? Yeah, so I don't want to get any imaging that I can get, preferably an MRI. Um, I would get this first um, to help us best figure out where the bob should be taken in from the mass. So the overall goal would be to obtain tissue where we think the highest grade may be. Yeah, exactly. And then is there any specific type of biopsy you want to get? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'd want to involve our surgeons earlier in the process and pursue a core biopsy. So um, part of what we want to do is make sure to keep the needle tracked in consideration because if this, this, um, if this does prove to be a malignancy, we want to be aware of any potential seeding. Yeah. 
Um, so the method of biopsying any mass suspected to represent a soft tissue sarcoma is very important to understand. So there are basically two methods. One is a core needle biopsy or two, an incisional biopsy. It's really important to ideally have the same surgical oncologist perform the biopsy and then the surgery since the biopsy should be longitudinal and then the scar or needle tract is resected at the time of surgery. So um, you get an MRI, it shows an 8.7 centimeter enhancing mass in the anterior compartment of the thigh. There is noted central necrosis and adjacent edema. And then the biopsy is performed and shows a spindle cell sarcoma grade two, MDM2 is not amplified. What are your next steps? Yeah, so I'd want to complete staging. Um, and to do that, I want to obtain a CT chest. So her CT chest is negative. What's her stage? So given the 8.7 cm size of the tumor, this would be a T2N0M0. Um, for staging, uh, T staging is uh, usually based on size. So this is scaled at 5 cm marks. So T1 is anything that's 5 cm or lower. T2 would be 5 to 10 cm. T3, 10 to 15. And anything greater than 15 cm is going to be a T4. Uh, N stage and M stage are both binary. Um, so this is based on the presence of nodal disease or metastasis, respectively. And the important aspect of staging in soft tissue sarcoma specifically is going to be the histologic grade, as this can help uh, change the overall stage. And this is um, a fairly unique to sarcoma staging. So, for example, a grade 1 T1 lesion would be considered an overall stage 1A, while that same T1 lesion, if it was grade 2, would be considered a stage 2. So in this case, given that she is a grade 2 status, T2 size, she'd be considered a stage 3A overall. Um, just of note, um, sarcoma staging is based on the site of disease, and what was um, just denoted is relevant for lesions of the trunk and extremities. Yeah, very good. Um, a few key points to keep in mind with sarcoma staging. So grade is a huge deal. Again, grade is a huge deal, and it's the only disease site where grade can alter staging. And a small high-grade tumor would represent a more advanced stage than, let's say, a large low-grade tumor. Any tumor that is grade two is automatically stage two. Think grade two, stage two. And then another important thing to remember is that the presence of any lymph node involvement automatically makes the patient a stage four. Speaking of nodal involvement, what is the likelihood for this patient? So uh, nodal involvement is uh, typically not common in these cases. So usually it's less than 5% of all cases. Um, because it's so uncommon, that's why you can think of any nodal involvement um, to reflect advanced disease. And um, is then usually classified as stage four. So histology can drive the risk of nodal involvement. So there's this acronym CARE, C-A-R-E, that highlights those with an increased risk of nodal metastases. This is usually around 20 to 30%. And CARE uh, stands for clear cell, angiosarcoma, rhabdomyosarcoma, and epithelioid. Fantastic. Okay, can you please describe the overall treatment paradigm for soft tissue sarcomas at the extremity? Yeah, um, absolutely. So the mainstay of treatment for large, high-grade localized soft tissue sarcomas would be a surgical resection with radiation therapy. So we want to opt for limb preservation if possible with a wide local excision. So this would be performed with either preoperative or postoperative radiation therapy to help improve local control. Okay, great. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about the types of surgical resection. As you mentioned, the goals of surgery are limb preservation while obtaining, obtaining a margin-negative resection. So there are generally five types of surgical resection. One is intralesional, 
two is marginal, where the surgeon will go in and resects through the immediate reactive tissue around the tumor. The third type is simple, where narrow margins are obtained. Four is a wide surgical resection, where margins of two to three centimeters are obtained within the compartment. And then radical or compartmental resection is when um, it's performed in block and removes the entire anatomical compartment. So you're right, radiation surgery often go hand in hand for soft tissue sarcomas of the extremity, and radiation can be given preoperatively or postoperatively. So what radiation regimen do you choose and why? So if there are no unforeseen issues, I would opt for preoperative radiation therapy over post-op. Um, in a preoperative situation, we can often treat with lower doses at around 50 gray versus 60 to 66 gray and treat the smaller volumes given that there hasn't been any tissue manipulation performed in a preoperative setting. Uh, additionally, oxygenation is also improved as the blood supply isn't manipulated in these situations. But there are many clinical situations that might not permit for preoperative RT. So sometimes these sarcomas are discovered on path evaluation after they're removed or um, patients are at high risk for wound complication. Um, so in her specific situation, I would opt for preoperative RT to 50 gray and 25 fractions. Great. And then what are the toxicity profile differences between pre-op and post-op radiation? And who would the ideal candidates be for either sequencing? Yeah, so um, preoperative RT does garner more wound healing complications. Um, this is nearly double the rate at around 35% versus maybe around 17% if performed postoperatively. Although we should keep in mind that this is uh, more of an acute issue, a, a temporary issue. So it is site dependent. Patients with upper leg sarcomas are at highest risk for acute wound complications. If I had a younger active patient who enjoys exercise, I wouldn't risk the possible joint fibrosis down the line and treat with pre-op like in this situation. Um, Post-operative RT often requires larger coverage fields and higher doses leading to increased fibrosis rates, edema, and joint stiffness when compared to preoperative RT. So if I had a patient with uncontrolled diabetes or any history that would contribute to poor wound healing, I would likely lean towards post-op RT for that patient. So it's important for our listeners to note that local control, recurrence-free survival, and overall survival are equal between both um, pre-op and post-op RT. Okay. So your patient and surgeon, they agree with your plan and they want to move forward with pre-op radiation. How are you going to sim her? Uh, for simulation, I want to perform a CT scan with contrast in a supine feet first position. We'll have her right leg frog legged in, in a vac bag, given that her left upper thigh is involved. The goal of the simulation is just to ensure that the treated thigh is away from the right thigh and that there are limited folds in the groin. So we want to create an optimal position for our beam angles to appropriately cover our targets without traversing the other leg and ensure that she can fit through our scanner in that position as well. Um, we want to make sure that the left leg is immobilized above and below the joint as well. Um, and we can also wire the biopsy site if that's visible. Okay. Uh, you get your scans and now you're about to contour. What are you going to include? Yeah, I want to make sure to fuse in my MRI to help guide contours and have my primary lesion contoured as a GTV. Uh, this is typically based on the T1 post-contrast scan. I'll then add a 1.5 cm radial expansion and a 3 cm longitudinal expansion as a CTV. But this isn't a um, uh, just a straight longitudinal expansion. This is uh, anatomically constrained within the compartment. I also want to ensure to include any peritumoral edema and the biopsy track site if that's possible. And then I would add a half seam expansion to that as a PTV. 
Uh, during the contouring and planning process, I want to ensure that there's at least a 2CM skin strip contoured in, where we would limit the dose to prevent any sort of um, circumferential dose from being planned out, which could uh, potentially lead to some compartment syndrome. And I want to make sure that the femur and joints are contoured in as well. What dose are you looking for um, to that skin strip and femur? And then what are some other dose restraints uh, you're looking at? Yeah, I want to make sure at least 95% of my PTV is getting 100% of my uh, PTV dose without more than 110% hotspot. But of course, the lower the better. And for that skin strip, I want to make sure that the V20 is less than 50%. So on the femur itself, I want to make sure that the mean dose is less than 37 gray and that the V40 is less than 64 gray. And if there are any joints in the field, I want to make sure that the V50 to the joint is uh, less than 50%. Fantastic. So she's about to start treatment, and how are you going to counsel her in regards to expected toxicities? Yeah, acutely, I discussed the expectation of fatigue, uh, radiation dermatitis, some pain, maybe some edema. I also want to ensure to discuss that there's a increased likelihood for wound healing complications in this preoperative setting. Um, long term, I'll discuss the uh, expectation of fibrosis, joint stiffness, and edema, as well as a, a small chance of secondary malignancies. Okay, great. Um, your medical oncologist uh, discussed chemo with you. What are your thoughts? So um, the indications for chemotherapy are controversial. Um, in the adjuvant setting, there's some data suggesting a modest overall survival benefit with doxorubicin-based chemotherapy, although that's typically reserved for large grade three tumors. So in this case, she likely won't receive any benefit from chemotherapy. Yeah. And I also want to mention that new adjuvant chemotherapy can be given as well, but this is variable across institutions and there's generally no consensus on the optimum sequencing and approach. All right. So your patient, she finishes her radiation. What's next? So uh, we would have her recover acutely from the course of RT over the next two to four weeks, but ideally no later than six. Um, and she should be scheduled for resection. Great. Now let's say she presented to you, but she already had resection performed with a negative margin. With all other items being the same, what would you contour now in the post-op setting? So in this case, I would contour um, a tumor bed defined by the CLIPS and preoperative uh, MRI imaging and add a 1.5 cm radial and 3 cm longitudinal margin to that, as well as including the operative field, uh, surgical scar and drain sites as a my CTV, and add another half cm margin to that as a PTV. And I probably treat this to 50 gray in 25 fractions. And then I delineate a boost volume by expanding the tumor bed by one and a half CM in all directions, and then adding a half CM to that as a PTV, and then treat that volume to an additional 10 to 16 gray in five to eight fractions. So this would total out to um, 60 to 66 gray in over 30 to 33 fractions. What if she had a, a positive microscopic margin or remaining gross disease? So I would boost the margin if it's localizable to 66 gray, and then gross disease, I would go up to 70 to 76 gray. Great job, Josh. This concludes our episode on sarcoma of the extremity. We want to thank Dr. Everett Moding of Stanford University for his review of today's script, and thank you for listening to this episode of At The Beam. Remember to be well and always trust but verify. The grade is huge. <laughs> You know, wow, what a grade. <laughs>